Running Sentences presents Bumbling, Humbling Nights. Part 5. A Quandary. Some answers come to Marcus and his friends, but this seems to only lead to greater problems. And there is still the old story, which has some truth to it. This is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and incidences within this story are from the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people or real stories or fictional stories or any resemblance to real people or incidences is purely coincidental. Copyright 2021, Michael Honoré. All rights reserved. In a blink of an eye, they'd gone from all being in a dead-end road of a back alleyway with a wall blocking it off to a palace. Marcus, who didn't like thrown about or teleported from one spot to another, unsteadily stood on his leg as he found himself now inside this palace of a place. He found a nearby chair that looked very plain compared to the center of the room, which had one that was very obviously designed for a queen, and sat down on this one. Couldn't you have given us some warning that you were going to move us? Yes, I could have, but I don't have to. Now... What do we have aside from a princess and Lady Smoke, who I've never met, but heard much about? Apologies, Lady Jean. We have uh, many mutual acquaintances, but we run in many different circles. Life never seemed to throw us together at the right moment. You mean you were avoiding me, Lady Smoke, because you feared I would put a stop to your plans. And your latest one, I believe, is something to do with brooms? That's your latest craze? Lady Smoke made a few nods of her head and tried to keep a poker face, but this didn't hide the fact that she had a small twitch in her eyebrow. Um, Cassia, speaking up, brought Lady Jean, the Queen's, attention towards her, as Cassia pointed towards a man, towards the Prince. This man claims to be the prince, and the lady next to him is the princess from Rock, and I believe they may have helped create this mess. Oh yes, the old story. Well, since that lady is unconscious, perhaps you would like to explain yourself, Eugene Christopher the Magician? The man who had been trying to take care of his lady Laura looked over to see them all staring at him. He reluctantly got up to his feet and nervously stepped forward and then stepped backwards and then decided he didn't like stepping forward and so he retreated a step. I, I proclaim my innocence in the matter. The, the princess convinced me that she and I could get married if we ran away together. He's a half-musician who works the local kingdom court circuit. Isn't that right, Mr. Christopher? Christopher sort of half-nodded at what Cassia was saying, although he kept glancing about trying to find some sort of ally in this mess, but was having no luck in the matter. Then this princess told you that she knew of a story that would help you and damn everyone else? Is that what is going on? It, uh, yes, well, uh, Queen, um, I, I actually told her this story. It was, it was my parents who told it to me as a child, with the caveat that, you know, I should never tell anyone. I, I, was, I was sworn to the secrecy that we were the former family of power, of witches, and we'd 
we'd been chased out of the kingdom, out of this town, out of this place, out of this, well, whatever it is, by jealousy. The Christopher family? No, I don't think I've ever heard of them, and that's not me being a smartass either. I, the Queen, need more information about this story. And as if she was just talking to herself, Lady Jean turned and walked away, leaving the rest of them standing around. Figuring that uh, the interrogation was over, Eugene then turned and hurried back over to his princess, while Lady Smoke and Cassia corralled Marcus off to the side while keeping an eye on the situation. It is far too simple, Cassia. It is, yes. I feel like everyone is being used to start a war. Uh, to wipe out the witches in their home city? Unless the Rock Kingdom came up with some magic of their own, I doubt it would happen. But you would know better than most, as you lived in their city, Cassia. I never heard of it. I never heard anything about a war. That could be because I don't think anyone trusted me enough in the city. Or at least anyone with any power didn't trust me. So we have two lovebirds who have possibly connections that everyone wants to use to cause problems. Um, even the witches, Lady Smoke? She paused and then nodded her head, yes. Daphne Bourgeois, prominent witch who has been trying to weasel her family higher up in the food chain. What about the Rock Kingdom, you two? Well, um... Smoke, it's uh, Castleworthy is the first name that will probably be the one trying to weasel their way up, but Marcus nodded as he thought of this and, and of the knights and the Rock King, who he'd never met but had heard some things about, namely weak-willed and easily pushed into a corner to do someone's bidding. The Black Knights, as Cassie was trying to think of, um, they seem to be ready to fight someone or they're interested in fighting someone. They might hold all of the power in the Rock Kingdom. Then forces will soon be arriving in town to rearrange things to their liking. I think I shall go see about helping to set up a defensive effort for the city. And you two need to figure this out pronto. Now if you'll excuse me. She was then gone in a flash, leaving Marcus and Cassius standing there. They looked to one another. You have a plan? Well, I, uh, Marcus looked over towards the princess and the maybe sort of prince who were sitting on the ground with the princess still out of it. I think we might have some perfect bait to see if they might want these people for their own purposes. Plus, we might get some more information out of them, potentially. But we should leave the castle. It is the first place anyone will look for a princess. Cassia nodded and then snapped her fingers. She transported them out outside of the gates of the estate castle that Lady Jean called home. This time there was no sudden drop as they were all on their feet, except for the princess who was, yes, still out of it, and didn't drop to the ground, but that was only because the prince, Christopher Eugene, or Eugene Christopher, was desperately holding on to her. It still took them a second to regain their bearings before Henrietta came up to Cassia, who was looking off into the distance. Where are we going to go? The old estate might be our best bet since everyone forget that the building is right in front of their faces and it's right in the middle of the city. Or they're doing the best to forget that a haunted place is right in front of the center of town, Cassia. Can we argue about this while we head that way? 
I feel like a storm is brewing in these dark clouds and, you know, potentially feels warlike. Or, you know, if you could teleport us to the front door, that would probably be, that would probably be even better. Sorry, I can't. Unless you can, Henrietta. I struggle to move many people at once. I can make many trips, but energy-wise, no, that won't do. I haven't seen this hideout in a long while, so I can't just drop us there. A cry from a nearby town crier called their attention. The Knights of Rock have been spotted marching this way. They have penetrated the woods. Flee and hide if you cannot fight. Their friendly troll grabbed a hold of the princess, picking her up, and began running towards the crowd. This as a mob of witches began hurrying about the place. Henrietta and Henry, you take care of Eugene and the princess, along with the troll. And, you know, you guys just make sure you get where you need to go. Cassie and I will go our, our separate ways just to make sure that we're not caught up in the same situation together. His words may have been lost in the sea of people that were now moving rapidly all over the place. And as he was saying this, he found himself also swept up in this and lost sight of everyone. The people running about to find safety took Marcus down the road and it did not seem to want to stop. When one person vanished, another came in to replace them. He could not figure out why they all just didn't teleport themselves elsewhere, but then remembered Henrietta and Cassia's words. Maybe not all witches had the power to do so, and if they did, then why would they need brooms if they had that power? And Lady Smoke seemed to take much pleasure in making brooms. And so maybe, maybe, these witches didn't have as much power as he thought. It was then that he felt a hand grab him at his arm and twisted to see Cassia, who was pulling him away from the mass in the main street. And he got out of this crowd and he found himself pulled tightly against her in a doorway to a house. Marcus tried to look everywhere but at her to make sure that she didn't feel uncomfortable. The crowd didn't seem to be thinning out in the road and he finally found himself forced to look over at her. Um, why didn't you just move us with your magic? It would affect more people than just you and me. Plus the backblast and burn would hurt people nearby. I don't want to cause more chaos. Oh, I uh, didn't know, I'm sorry. It's fine, but we are far from where we need to be. Shall we try this house and see if we, we can't get a bit closer by use of magic that way and safe in the safety of the house? It would be safer inside. By all means. She tried the door handle, which didn't budge, and the two looked at the handle awkwardly, and then at one another as they still were rather tightly holding one another. Um, sorry, it's this uncomfortable, I can move. Uh, no, 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 don't move, you'll get sucked into the mass of people again, and I don't want to have to pull you out. It was at this point that they were saved, by the door suddenly popping open. The two spilled into a dining room of all places, with a family seated at the table for a spot of lunch. The husband of this family, who had opened the door, looked rather confounded at the two, who were still clasping at one another, but now on the ground. The man then looked out at the rushing people out on the street. What in the blazes is going on there? Uh, Black Knights or Knights of the Rock Kingdom are on the borders of the town and are getting ready to attack. Good heavens, that sounds terrible. Simply dreadful. 
Yes, dreadful. Terribly, dreadfully awful. Awfully, terribly, awfully, terribly, terribly, terribly dreadful. This husband and wife continued their banter of trying to one-up one another with worse words, or just repeating the words that they'd heard, and ignoring the situation, and Marcus realized that he was still holding on to Cassia, and let her go as he scrambled to his feet to help her up as well. Uh, excuse me, I know this is the worst thing in the world to happen, um, but perhaps talking about it is a bad idea and you should find a place to hide you... And your children? The parents broke out of their stupor of awful words and looked over, horrified at him, and then managed to corral their two young ones, who'd been sitting at the table, listening to them, out of this room. Well, they're gone. Now we might be able to move through some magic. Won't it hurt this house, cause a fire, or do general damage that will severely affect the place? I mean, that's what you made it seem like. No, the magic has to be directed at a target to harm it, except for when it comes to humans and other creatures. They get hurt in the blast when we set off the magic. Now, if you'll grab a hold of me once again, since I'm not completely sure where this is going to drop us, and I don't want you being sent off somewhere else. He hesitated for a second, and then stepped up and grabbed her waist. She wrapped her arm around his back, and then with her free hand, snapped her fingers. In a blink, they were in a field, and not where they were supposed to be, from what Marcus could tell. They both quickly realized that in the second it took them to blink and see that there was a black flag with a shield on it, and it was crossed by two hand gauntlets, along with a flag for a castle. Then there was the long row of knights that were standing in front of them, and seemed to be staring off towards an empty field beyond. They looked about a bit more to see if they'd been spotted. Sorry about that. Looks like we are clear, though. She snapped her fingers again. When Marcus blinked, he found himself in front of a house. He hoped that this was the right place that they were supposed to be at, and turned to Cassia, who was staring at the building as she looked kind of unsure. It was a black three-story building that just sort of sat there, and didn't look like it was in the best sort of shape. He didn't want to let go, in case she decided she needed to snap her fingers again, and he was maybe kind of enjoying the fact that her warm body was next to his. The door to the place opened, though, and Henrietta popped out. There you two are, and aren't you two getting nice and close? Anyway, come in! Marcus and Cassia both quickly separated from one another and headed inside. The house was not in good shape, outside or inside. Marcus dodged around a fallen beam in the entranceway on their way to this grand house main lobby. Though it looked bleak, the place looked all worn, blackened with age. Um, so guys, what's, uh, girls, uh, what's, uh, so good about this place? You'll get lost and won't be found for hundreds of years, unless you have a guide who knows this place. He looked over at Cassia. I, I don't know my way around this place. So a great hiding spot that will doom all of us because we don't know which way is which. We do have magic that can move us about, but it, it is unlikely that we can use such things effectively here. We have to know what we're seeing in order to move. 
This left Marcus with more questions than answers as they moved towards a door that was on their right. The grand hallway entrance and its black staircase, floor, ceiling, and just about everything else that was dark made it hard to make out anything other than black bleakness. Henrietta threw open the door and a flood of light suddenly came in. It was bright and a well-taken-care-of reading room that stood in front of them. He stepped into the room following the witches, and once he'd entered, the door behind him automatically snapped shut. Then, then it felt like the room jerked to life, unsteadying his feet, but only slightly. Uh, we're moving somewhere. I don't know where, but we will soon once the room decides where it's going to go and settles down. So we're just waiting. Yes, please sit. I believe, Henrietta, you have some sort of plan. Yes, I think we need to find a book on the history of the town and this place, and just get a better idea of what's going on. And Cassia nodded to this as the two began to walk towards the nearby books. We need to find the book on the future history of the place. There are several copies hidden around the town. You know, ones with the queen, ones at the front guard's gate. There's probably going to be one in here, because who thinks about that kind of thing when they're putting books? Uh, you know, because... It just seems like it would happen. Um, wouldn't it be better if I helped you out? You're normal. A witch's book won't seek you out, allowing you to find it. Oh, well, thanks, Henrietta. Uh, good luck, then? The two went off, searching the many bookshelves that surrounded what Marcus decided was definitely a reading room, and not really a library. It was an enclosed space that had no windows to the outside world, probably because the room moved and it would be easier to not have to worry about breaking windows or, or showing people the magic behind what was going on with the room was moving. He sat down as ordered in a comfy chair and stared at the door, his mind wandering from where the troll and Henry were to if those were really black knights and Castleworthy's group that he'd seen outside of town, or at least somewhere close to town maybe or how close they were. It felt like he saw the field, not the forest. But then again, they were supposed to be in a field, right? The room was rumbling slightly and then felt like it had come to a stop. Marcus glanced over to the girls, who were deep in their search and not paying the least bit of attention to anything other than books. The door had popped open, but only a smidge, and it was enough to get him curious. Should he go? They told him to sit tight, but no mention of how long this search would take. And there might be an adventure on the other end of this. A knight and an adventure went hand in hand, and Marcus rose quietly from his chair, sneaking glances at the witches, hoping they wouldn't detect him as he crept away towards this door. Upon stepping across the threshold, Marcus was rather disappointed to find himself in a hallway. It was a rather plain thing, with white walls and wood floors, all leading to a door on the other side, at the end of the hallway. He'd just about turned around again to head back inside the reading room when the door to this room snapped shut. He could feel the rumble under his feet as something was moving, but what was going on he wasn't completely sure of. His hand reached for the door handle to the reading room, or what room it had been. It refused to budge, and no matter which way he twisted it, that left the other door, which, while well, there was still a small suspicion, would also refuse to open. Still, he had to try, and he wandered down the hall to the other door, 
which opened easily, and he found himself pulled into the next room by this heavy door. Did his best not to let go of the doorknob. It was, however, slightly slippery, being made of metal, and his hand was slightly sweaty. He realized his hand never stood a chance of holding on, but he still tried to, with his grip slipping away. He finally just let go, and was thrown across a dark room, and landed heavily into a cushioned chair that was on its back. Oof, what the... The chair suddenly righted itself without him doing anything, and he was now upright, sitting up, but still could not see anything. It was bleak, dark, which left him in his chair, but felt like it was actually moving. Through this dark area, the chair would move, and the feeling like it was flying or moving or doing something of its own accord was soon confirmed to Marcus. He felt like there was air rushing past him, and he could see a light up ahead, and it was getting closer, at least that's what he hoped, as it was hard to tell exactly in this bleak darkness. But the light was getting closer. That shiny point of light was giving him some guidance towards something. With a thump, the chair dropped him to the ground and settled there. Marcus blinked many times trying to adjust to the light and get a better sight on what was going on. In front of him was now a new doorway that had a bright light shining through it for some reason. He could barely see anything and felt a sudden shift in his weight as this chair that he'd been flying or moving on, or maybe it was just not any of that. Either way, the chair tipped him forward, dropping him off, and then vanished. With a sigh, he scrambled up and approached this doorway. He blinked when he walked through. There, in front of him, once again, was Cassia and Henrietta, both searching through these shelves of books in the reading room, though most of these shelves had now been emptied, aside from a few single ones. And Marcus looked back and saw that there was now no doorway behind him, and wondered if it was all in his imagination that this had ever happened. With a shrug, he went off towards the seat that he'd been in and stopped. He was carrying something, and he hadn't been before. A glance downward told him that he was in fact holding a book in his arms. A witchy book, with the word history written on its cover. Uh, Cassia? Uh, Henrietta? Cassius turned slowly, exhausted from her search, and glanced over at him, brushing her hair away, which had become frazzled from all of the work. What? Book? Yes, congratulations, you have a book. What of it? The book you may have wanted? Henrietta was by his side in a second, and had taken it out of his hands. She began pushing through the pages of it, as she headed for a nearby table that had been stacked with books in their search for the book. Is it the right book, Henrietta? Yes, it appears to be, yes. With a flick of her hand, Cassia cleared the nearby table, sending books back to their respective shelves, as Henrietta sat down and propped the book onto it. And with that done, Cassia moved over to get a better look at this book as well. Uh, um, um, forgive me, guys, but, uh, uh, forgive me, but what do you need this, need the history to the future book for, whatever this book is, for? It might be able to tell us where things are going. We need to get ahead of the knights and attacks. If we know where, there'll be, then some magic can be of use to help us. You found that dreaded old thing? They turned to see Princess Rum marching into the building through the door that, that Marcus was pretty sure he'd gone through to get to that weird room that had dropped him off into the chair 
but at this point he wasn't sure entirely anymore. Oh, don't look so surprised. My family has owned this place for a long time. I know how it works, mostly. She strolled over to the table, taking a seat across from Cassia and Henrietta, who both were torn between looking between Miss Rum and the book that they'd gotten their hands on. It looked like Princess Rum was only semi-interested in what was going on, as she leaned on her elbows and looked them over, and then back at Marcus, who stood to the side, awkwardly trying to figure out where he should be. So, have you found the princess, and the one who was trying to marry her? Uh, yes, and yes. He claimed that he loved her, and his family told him that about their past, but none of it was his fault, and he was the true heir to the kingdom, or the town of, of, of the witches' woods, or whatever. We believe it might have been all set up by the Rock Kingdom, or somebody within the Rock Kingdom. And maybe somebody in town as well, right, Cassia? Then why go back and get this book? You have information in your princess. Why not turn her over and let things lie where they may? You aren't involved. The deep sound of rumbling and shouts made it towards them. They sounded distant, but near enough to make it through the thick walls of this house. Um, well, there appears to be a war that has just begun. Uh, the Black Knights and... Castle where these knights have been paid, and the kingdom wants to get its money's worth out of a battle, I guess. Even if we handed the two over, I'm sure the attack would still take place. There was some more rumbling, and a few more screams and shrieks of terror coming from the outside. Henrietta, are the others safe and sound? Unless someone knows about this house, they should be fine. Well, I'm worried. Princess Rum, who came over towards Cassia Poker. About? That someone has figured us out. It isn't hard to figure out that we'd go here, and if someone is helping them from inside the town. The rumble shook the house and knocked Marcus from his feet. The rest had managed just barely to stay on theirs, and Cassia grabbed the book and looked over at Henrietta. We should go, and now. The book was grabbed by Henrietta from Cassia, and Cassia turned to help Marcus get back to his own feet as they all rushed towards the door. They entered a hallway that looked much like the one Marcus had gone into previously when he'd accidentally retrieved the book or done something to get the book. He wasn't sure what had happened still. His head was swimming and trying to keep up with a lot of what was going on. The ground rumbled some more, though if this was the house or the war... He was not sure of. As for why we want the book, Rum, it is simple. The book tells the future. It lets us know what we're against. They'd already reached the end of the hallway, the door being thrown open by Henrietta, who'd gone there first. A bedroom greeted them, with Eugene Christopher sitting by the bed, praying over Princess Laura, who was nicely laid out on the bed, though she was still unconscious and did not look close to recovering. Henry, on the other hand, was off to the side, mostly asleep with a plate of food in his lap. The scene looked like it was out of a bad fairy tale book that had been looking to make things nice and proper and keep things all in order. Marcus snorted as the troll came bouncing up. I've been keeping an eye on all of them as requested. There is a strange woman now, but she seemed nice and gave us food. The group looked about for this old woman who did not pop up, and Marcus gave up on this and went over to Eugene, who looked lost and had 
quite the red face. He pulled the man to his feet. Did you make a deal with any knights from Morocco? Eugene shook his head yes. You'd better explain what the deal was, then. I was found on the road one day, begging for money and uh, pulling off magic tricks and, and, and so on. I, I don't know by who, but they, they, they took me away to a dungeon. They, they left me there for like a, a week or so. And, and I met a man who, who, could, who could solve all of my problems after the week was over, if I could make a princess fall in love. And he gave me a bag of money, and I nodded yes, and I, and I never saw him again. But you had to be given some directions as to where to target your affections, did you not, Mr. Eugene Christopher? Cassia had come over and sat down on the bed. She seemed curious, but also ready to move in a second's notice as the ground rumbled. I, I was given a letter, a letter later, with, with more money and a, a picture, plus a rather a, a description of, of this lovely young lady. I, I had nothing to lose, and I might gain a wife and, and, and some happiness. So I, I, I did what was asked, and, and eventually my life story came out to her, aside from the, the, from this last bit. And off we went to, you know, find happiness. Fairy tales. Always simple and weird. The door next to the dresser beside the bed opened. It probably should have led to a washroom. And the little old lady came out, and she looked rather surprised to see them. Oh, you seem to have multiplied quite a bit. And I think that's my niece over there. Hmm, something most definitely is going on, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised. What exactly is it? Princess Rum had marched over towards this little old lady and grabbed a hold of her arm. Grandma Marine? Henrietta was the next to sort of snap out of a sort of weird, dazed. Uh, the knights are attacking the city and with to destroy a treaty, joining the witches and the rock kingdom and all of that together. Um, yes, what Miss Henrietta said. But also, they don't seem to care much if the marriage goes through when they just want to attack the town. Maureen nodded and pointed through the door she'd just come through. Well, if you have the book, it's a problem. So come with me. Marcus, Cassia, Henrietta, and Princess Rum all followed her onto this grain-looking elevator that was wide and spacious. It also looked completely out of place in this house of many rooms that kept changing. Maureen smiled at them, and she waved her hand as the elevator shot upward. Unprepared, the group felt like they were being forced to sit down as it sped upward, but they all managed to keep to their feet. This room came to a sudden and heavy stop with them up on the roof of this odd and weird house. A dome was covering them as a massive ball filled with flames came hurling past, only to slow to a stop in midair, and then began the process of going backwards, back to where it had come from. At first it was slow, but then began to pick up a fair amount of speed on its way back. Now let us see, who would be the one trying to let the knights in? This old lady, Maureen, waved her hand about the dome, and soon it felt like the view was zooming in on a nearby house with several witches out in the front yard. None of them appeared to be willing to fight, or they were not casting any magic anywhere, as they all looked rather disappointed in the state of things. The whole lot of them seemed actually mad, 
as Maureen waved her hands again to bring the image more into perspective. Ah, yes, Louise Bright, another throne seeker. Uh, wait, uh, didn't Lady Smoke mention someone else, uh, Cassia? Daphne Bourgeois, another line in the crown of witches. Cassia pointed towards the woman who was hiding towards the back of this group, and Maureen shook her head now, and then pointed out Bright, a regal-looking woman who had her chin always pointed skyward. Yes, Cassia, she is a planner and a mover, but Louise, Louise, she's the one who will rise to the top when it's all done. She knows how to appease idiots with talk. And the book said so, at least the last time I read the damn thing, it did. Cassia and Henrietta were back to looking at this book, trying to page through it as fast as possible, while this elderly witch waved her hands, making the image disappear. And then the elevator began to sink downwards again. The ride on this room came to an abrupt stop in the front of a door, which Maureen led them through. To the surprise of everyone, aside from the old lady, they found themselves in an armory with plenty of magical weaponry, from shields and helmets to wands and other assorted weaponry. Maureen brought them through, and without saying anything, would stop at a spot with helmets and give out a few and then move on to the next area. Marcus found himself having a dagger put into his hands, even though he was about to protest, saying that he could not use magic, but it seemed that not one of the witches cared as they continued on through another doorway. Marcus joined them out of the armory and stopped as he found himself outside amongst the chaos and noise of the backyard and a town that was still very much under attack. This area was a garden, but, but he barely had time to notice it all, with what was going on. A few knights were among the streets, using shields to try and advance against blasts of fiery magic that encircled the steel shields, but didn't do much to the shields in the end. It was, though, a stalemate of action, as the heat coming off of these blasts could be felt from where he stood, and it was probably having an effect on the knights, who didn't seem to be very happy behind these shields. Now, in order for you to bring all of this to an end, I think you know what you need to do. Capture the heads of both sides that have instigated the fight, and it should end. The old lady then turned and vanished back into the house. Marcus was frozen in his spot as the door closed behind him, and the house vanished from sight altogether. Cassia spotted him and snapped her fingers in front of his face, causing him to snap too. Work to do, and it's finally something you'll be good at? I'm good at lots of things. But with the swirls and blasts of magic and the clanks of metal, his words didn't seem to get far or even close towards her. Worse, the group of witches were already heading off towards the road. It felt like a blind rush for him to get onto the road and then pass the group of witches who were defending this place. But they paid no attention to him, thankfully, and did not attack. But he found the streets were mostly empty, aside from the few odd witches who were moving about to plug any holes in the fences of the town. He figured Henrietta, Princess Rom, and Cassia were all somewhere in front of him, but among the smoke and debris, it was getting hard to see. It seemed like every time there was a bit of a clear side of line, another blast of magic kicked up dust and blocked it. 
or an object might be launched by the knights and hurtled through, crashing past the defences and into things, kicking up dust and smoke that would blind his line of sight. Marcus pressed forward, hoping he was following these witches, his friendly witches, that he'd somehow become so associated with. The bright lights of fire appeared before him, as a building had caught fire as he'd wandered towards the town gate, or he was pretty sure he was towards the town gate, and this, of course, obscured his sight, and he could not tell what was in front of him. The sight and heat was enough to bring him to a stop as he tried to gather his bearings and his location. The sound of clanking of metal was somewhere ahead of him and down the road. It sounded like many knights were going to be coming in this direction shortly, and he could see no witches around as far as he could tell, and so he froze up, wondering if the noise wasn't some kind of trick meant to scare people away. Maybe the witches had cast a sound magic or something. However, a glint of metal on a shield felt very much like it was real, and he hurried off towards a side road, catching his first glimpses of the former town gate, and he was sure now that he was near the town entrance. The fire, which was blazing away at a nearby house, drove him away as it was now headed towards the straw of the street. If there was a witch about, they would soon probably have this avenue closed off. But with no one there, and the knights keeping going with their leader somewhere in the back, ordering them forward, it didn't seem like it was going to happen. If only he could just buy some time and stop all of this madness. Marcus spotted a side alleyway and hoped that it might hide him just enough so that he could spring a trap on them. Here in this side alleyway, there wasn't much to look at as the fire cast its long shadows and flickers of light down it. It was literally empty of anything, and he desperately wanted something to hide behind for when the knights passed so that he could jump out undetected. But with the clanking metal and seemingly so near, he did not have time to really hide or think about much of this. But thankfully, for some reason, they seemed to fail to notice that he was sort of standing there, and he was relieved at this as they passed by. The lines of chain-mailed troops, with a few mixed pieces of heavy armor, full armored suits, seemed to take quite a while for them all to get by before a man on a horse appeared. And that is when Marcus decided to spring forward. Doing his best, he launched himself at the horse once he was out of this side alleyway, trying to get up its side while the knight aboard it, with the, at least the top piece of an armored suit, the chest mantlet and all that, Aboard this horse realized that something was wrong, and was definitely wrong, as his horse was swung about from the unexpected addition. Halt! Stop! What is this? Marcus had gotten up onto this horse and grabbed a hold of the knight who only had a chest piece for armor. Then he did his best to try and tip the man over and try and keep himself upright. Unfortunately for Marcus, this... His momentum, and the knight managing to grab a hold of his arm, it took them both off the side as well. And the two crashed down onto the fiery road below, with the knight clanging about from his armor. The noise being so close to his ears drove Marcus to get up as quickly as he could, to see that the soldiers up in front, or, well, they were in the back of this line headed towards the town, were now turning around to see what was going on. 
Standing up straight, Marcus pulled out his dagger and pointed it towards the nearest soldier, standing there, backlit by the fire and chaos that was all around. Fight me, swine! As he said this, a spark emanated from the dagger and shot off, hitting the soldier. This flash of light that looked a little bit like lightning jumped about the group of chain-meld knights, stunning them, but not appearing to do much else. A rather disappointing result that caused him to pull the dagger up and to his face to examine it, just to check if it had been some special feature that would increase its ability to do damage or, well, cause magic? Had it caused magic? Probably it caused magic, but he was not sure. And he realized he really could only afford to glance at this dagger sword for a second, as the soldiers were now all coming towards him as they were recovering. So he turned and ran away. A glance behind him when he got out onto the fields that sprawled before the town told him that the soldiers were very eagerly chasing him with their swords out. It was a good thing and a terrible thing since he had absolutely nowhere to go and hide. Up in front of him appeared to be the tent area where he figured might be the headquarters of the Rock Kingdom soldiers and so on but he was not entirely sure. A few armored fools were guarding the entrance to the tent village that the soldiers were calling home, and since they were in full suits of armor, they struggled to get about a bit, although they could get about. It wasn't that they couldn't move in their armor, it had enough joints and bits that moved to let them move themselves. However, against someone who is in regular everyday shirts and pants, well, movement became a problem for them as Marcus easily slid around them and began running down the main thoroughfare that had been created between these campsite tents, looking for anywhere that he might go. He'd already spotted a big tent in front of him and just wanted to make sure that there wasn't something else to capture his interest before charging into his own doom by going up there. The bonfires and a few torches marked the area around the front of the big tent which he found himself headed towards. There was also a few more guards here, though none of them were armored, and they seemed like they knew he was coming. There was a chance for a quick fight, but it would be unlikely as they probably all swarm him at once instead of nicely a few at a time. Plus, there were knights, and he didn't want to kill them, well, not intentionally anyway, but the first signs of glinting swords told him that they had no such objections to killing him, and so his fear against killing them was slightly ebbing away. The only thing he could really do was ready his dagger and hope that it might have some magic left in it. The first guard in his line of sight quickly moved forward to greet him, sword out and low, ready for an upward swing. A second soldier, behind the first, peeled off and moved about flanking towards his back. There were three other soldiers ahead of it, two which already had their swords drawn, looking for a piece of action, while the other stood back, waiting to see what was happening. The first man's sword was swinging up and from Marcus's right. He ducked to his left, tucking into a roll while trying to use his 18-inch dagger blade to deflect the blow to go high and keep his roll moving. His roll was greeted by the two other soldiers who'd been behind this first one and began to move to meet him. Their swords came down from the left 
and to his upper right, and there was little chance to escape the slash that was coming into his left. It was too quick, so he twisted as best he could so that it would bite into the hidden chainmail sewn into his shirt in patches. Not enough that they would really do anything, but it would help bite the blow. The sword dug in on his side, and he concentrated on his right, using the dagger to deflect the attack and now try to move into a roll to that side. He knew fully well that there were two people behind him now, but he didn't have time as he swung his blade at the soldier to his right, striking at the thigh and sending the man crumpling to the ground. Marcus staggered to his feet to try and escape the three still oncoming soldiers. His left side was blazing now with the fiery pain. He backpedaled. He backpedaled further to try and escape, seeing the hordes of soldiers who had been chasing him from the town were now getting closer as they moved through this tent city. His foot, though, stamped on something and sent him tumbling to the ground and then jumping back up when he realized that there was fire now around him. This did not stop the soldiers who were coming running from town and still really, really wanted to attack him. He could only backpedal further, desperate for a new plan, as this clearly had not worked out at all. And Marcus's run carried him back into the tent camp, but with more and more soldiers coordinating to try and find him. Thankfully, the three guards who'd been at the big tent didn't chase far and went back to stop the fire from spreading much further. This left him to try and duck and dodge around tents, but the soldiers were closing in at an alarming rate, so he found himself charging into one, hoping for the best. The dark interior of this tent gave Marcus problems right off the bat. As he tripped over a big box of some sort, he went sprawling over it and cursed as his wound sparked in pain, then silenced himself as any noise might give away where he was. The only thing he could do was find some small spot and hope that he would not be spotted as he curled up. Settling in on this spot behind the large box near the tent wall, with the hope that no traces of blood splatter were going to give him away. Right now, all he could do was stay low and quiet and hope for the best. Time slipped by, and he could hear voices outside, but no one came into the tent. Marcus waited a while longer until the sounds of searching about the place seemed to have vanished and moved on to somewhere else. In all likeliness, he figured that they were just waiting for him outside of this door to this tent, and he figured he couldn't just lie around lingering in pain either in this tent, and he had to find the people in charge, either Castleworthy or some Grand Knight for the Black Knights. His hand found the bottom of the tent wall next to him, and he pulled at it so that it might not be so tight against the ground, pulling and loosening it until he could fit under it comfortably. A task which took a little bit of time, since movement caused sparks of pains to go up and down his side. When it had gotten loose enough, he slipped out and was getting around to getting his knees out when he felt hands grab both of his arms and the dagger beak rustled from his grip. All he felt like he was capable of at this point was wincing in pain as whoever had grabbed him dragged him away in the dark night. Eventually, he did his best to get to his feet and keep moving as he could feel the tearing at his side with each step, but it felt like if he used his feet, it would help him get wherever they were going faster and the, the pain might not be so bad. 
The pain, however, was making all of this very hard, and he stopped paying attention to where they were going, except for that they were approaching a tent, and were soon past the flaps to get inside. The forced march came to a stop in front of a captain of the guards, just inside the entrance to this place, a spot that was meant for guards to rest or get an assignment or something. Marcus was struggling to concentrate and look around. There was a desk, there was stuff, it felt very soldier-like. This is the one, then. Yes, sir. Made us chase him from town back to camp. Very well, you two are dismissed. The grip on Marcus's arms went away, and he nearly slumped completely over, except the captain and the guards grabbed him by the nose and began yanking him, pulling him deeper into the place. He was pulled into an area that was blocked off by more tent walls. The difference with this room was that it was filled with maps, at least that Marcus could see, and the captain let go of him, and so Marcus could only stagger about, doing his best to avoid hitting anything and trying to figure out where he was. Oh, you look like you've had a bad time of it, my friend. Marcus recognized the voice, but in the haze of pain, which seemed to be growing, it was becoming very hard to see. His vision had gone blurry, and things were felt like they were spinning about. Ah, I see you were sliced by one of the elite guards. They like to poison their blades because they're a bit sick and twisted in that way. Oh well, I have to ask what you're doing here, Mr. Marcus of the Bumbling Knights. He attacked our soldiers in town and came running here, sir. I think he had plans to do some bad things. Yes, I figured that out, Captain of the Guard. I don't need you telling me what I've already been informed about. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Yes, well, go be sorry somewhere else, then. You have work and a town that still hasn't fallen, and I hear that the witches are driving our knights out. We haven't gotten what we've come for. The captain retreated out of the room as far as Marcus could tell, and his hands were reaching out to find something to steady himself on. He grabbed a hold of a table, he figured, and this helped center things, and his vision came back into focus a little bit. He could clearly see his co-worker, Sir Fixing, in front of him. What are you doing here? As he said this, he let go of the table to get closer and, and to figure things out. But this only made everything pitch violently downwards, and it all fell into a deep, dark, inky blackness. End of part five. Thank you for listening.